But uh, the reason being, not being able to make large financial contributions, maybe you can. Uh, sometimes when you uh, work hard towards a cause, uh, like a half marathon, um, it encourages people to support you in that way. So hopefully with a group of us running, all the faculty and some students, uh, hopefully between our friends and family, uh, we'll be able to help raise, meet that $8,000 goal. So we have an informational meeting Friday at 3.30 in Angel 24, if you want to be a part of that, or just find out more information. I also want to let you know that this Sunday, we refer to it as Invite a Friend to Church Sunday. Now, every Sunday should be Invite a Friend to Church Sunday, uh, but don't assume that everyone has a church home to go to, so just check in with those on your floor, maybe new students. Just invite them to the local congregation where you may worship. Uh, that is far more effective than if we had a church fair or had pastors come on campus and try to give you, you know, gifts and stuff, trying to get you to go to their church. It's really more effective if students are inviting students. So I just want to encourage those of you that already have a church home. Uh, to please invite uh, your friends uh, to church with you this Sunday. Finally, in chapel on Friday, we'll have a musical group, El Trio de Hoy. De Hoy, forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Many of the members of the band have been with us before. Uh, it will be a very um, energetic chapel service as we worship through song uh, for this upcoming Friday's chapel, so I hope you can join us for that. Well, in December, I started thinking of this first message uh, for, the, for the semester, and I... Um, was thinking about preaching on a text where it says, uh, flee from sexual immorality. I can tell that excites all of you right away. <laughs> because the critique is, is that we don't talk about this enough, or the church doesn't talk about it enough, and we need to talk about this more, and that, and that I would agree with. We need to have open conversation and dialogue about it. The problem is when I preach on something in chapel and we don't have follow-up discussion groups or forums or something like that, all the critique that comes over what I say I have to take on by myself and consider resigning and moving on in life or seeing a therapist. And that's just a little too much for one person to bear. But I shouldn't be afraid to talk about it as well. And it's like the old, the old joke goes, maybe you've heard of this. I, know, I do know you want to talk about sex. And the, the joke is, is that college students, young adults, want, want to talk about three things in church. Sex, the end times, and will there be sex in the end times? Those are the three things. <laughs> those are the three things that uh, are at the top of your list of what we'd like to discuss in chapel. Or, or, or talk about it at any time. Uh, but as C.S. Lewis says, chastity is the most unpopular of the Christian virtues. It's the most unpopular thing to practice as a spiritual discipline. And, and as I was preparing the text and even thinking about it, I decided, no, I'm not, I'm not going to preach from that text. I actually, I actually decided that. And I was with my family in, uh, in Myrtle Beach for, uh, for Christmas. And I just kind of put it aside and thought, well, I'll think of something else or pray, prayerfully consider something else. And um, I'm in church with my parents at a Southern Baptist church in Myrtle Beach. I'm holding my niece and she fell asleep and threw up all over me. And um, so I got out of church, which was, which was great. And I thought that, um, and I thought, I'm just kidding. I mean, I did get out of church, but, uh, but then, uh, so I had this extra time because I went back to my parents' house to, to change and shower and everything else that she, whatever. And uh, as I was uh, thinking, I said, well, let me see what the lectionary text is for the week. Because the flee from sexual immorality passages is found in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, 20. And wouldn't you know, the lectionary passage for this week, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. So uh, I took that as a sign from God and looked a little more closely at the text. And as I looked a little more closely and started studying it a little more, I came to the understanding and realized that the text for today, where we have this flee from sexual 
sexual immorality is really not about sex. Not really. It's actually not even really about sexual immorality. That is the starting point for the teaching that Paul has. It is about a foundational gospel truth that I think we've forgotten, or maybe you've never even known, is in this text that Paul is proclaiming to this church in Corinth. But we do need to have conversations about sex and sexuality and not be afraid to talk about it, not be afraid of those conversations. But again, the, the, the part about sexual morality is a starting point for Paul for a greater point he's trying to make. But because we need to have conversations and dialogue, I just want you to know that we're always open for those conversations. And one way to do that is in, is in discipleship groups. And for those of you who are interested uh, in a book on this topic, I would highly suggest a book by Lauren Winner called Real Sex. The Naked Truth About Chastity. It's an exceptional book. It's already about 10 years old. Uh, but uh, I'd encourage you, if some people, if some of your friends want to discuss it or, or talk about the topic, I'd be more than willing to, to lead a discussion. It can be with just females or males or co-ed, whatever. I, I don't think you'd be uncomfortable if it was a co-ed discussion group. But I know the thought of reading a book called Real Sex with a 43-year-old chaplain just doesn't seem to ring right. It just doesn't, you know... But I'd be willing to. But don't ever make the critique, well, the church or the chaplain or others, we're not willing to talk about it here at ENC. We are. But you need to be comfortable to talk about it as well and be willing to enter in conversation. So this is just one, one book discussion I'd, I'd suggest to you or recommend to you, and we'd provide books for the group that you put together. But again, because the text is not specifically talking about uh, sex, it's more of a starting point of a greater point that Paul is making. It is a powerful truth that I think I missed, I know, for years, and maybe you've missed it as, as well. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth, the church that he founded, and, and he's now writing them to encourage them. He's writing to correct and rebuke, and he's writing to express his love and concern for them. And it is those who love us deeply, those who care for us so much, that can rebuke us or can encourage us or can correct us. We should all have people like that in our lives who can speak truth into our life, even when it's uncomfortable or when it hurts. And because he's writing a letter, rhetorically what he's doing in this letter is called figured speech. It's a, it's a type of rhetoric in which uh, rhetorical figures carry on the message, meaning he's, he's writing as if he's having a conversation with them of, of their viewpoints on things when it comes to, to their sexual ethic of the day. He is addressing commonly shared convictions or perceptions. He knows that this Christian church has, and it's, it's misguided. It's not in line with the gospel, so he's, he's addressing it and. Some members of the church had distorted the view that what they did with their bodies did not matter. So that's some of the teaching that doesn't matter what we do with our bodies. It's just the soul. It's just the spirit. And that was growing in the church. And that's what this section of the text is addressing. They're saying we have the right to do anything, anything with our bodies and and food for the stomach and the stomach for food. God will destroy them both. So what does it matter? The bodies will die and decay. It's about the spirit and soul. But Paul is going to address that. No, that's. That's not true. That's, that's not of the gospel. What is important in life? It's not food in the stomach. Once again, what is important is what Paul's trying to say to them. And, and the answer to that is this close connection between the body and our Lord. Not just our spirit, not just our soul, but our, our whole body. See, we tend to think of having a body. But when Paul was writing at this time, his thinking of people as, as being bodies, our whole self will be redeemed by Christ. When we, when we die and are with Christ in spirit, when he returns, there will be a bodily resurrection of us all. We are, our entire bodies are of Christ. And he's trying to teach them that, that what you do with your body is important. 
But we tend to think of it as separate, at least, and that's what the church in Corinth is thinking. It's, they tend to think of having a body, but really what's more important is, is the soul, is the spirit. And Paul's saying, no, that's, that's not it. See, a major theme in 1 Corinthians, especially in this text here, but throughout Corinthians, the word body is mentioned 30 times, even after here in verse chapter 6. And there's only a few more chapters left, but it's mentioned 30 times. So before I begin reading the text, I want to tell you what this passage is really telling you about you. Is it dealing with sexual morality? Yes, but there's a greater truth that Paul's trying to make. And that greater truth is this, is that your bodies are holy. Your bodies are holy. It does not matter what others say about your body. It does not matter, God forbid, what others may have done to your body. God forbid. It does not matter what you have done or how you view yourself. You are created in the image of God and Paul is crying out, you are holy. So be a holy people. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. I have the right to do anything, you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But I will not be mastered by anything, Paul says. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies, your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he or she who unites themselves with a prostitute, with a prostitute is one with them? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual morality. All other sins you commit outside the body, but those who sin sexually sin against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your word has been spoken. We have sung of your grace and your mercy, and we have sung of new beginnings. And maybe this day, Lord, there are some that need that new beginning. Maybe there are some today that need that new beginning with, with you and becoming Lord of their life. May we recognize your holiness and your goodness to us. May we recognize that we are created in the image of God, and no matter what others have done or no matter what we have done, you want to call us your holy people. May we live into that truth, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I don't want to start this semester by saying flee from sexual immorality. I want to start this semester with that truth that you are holy and I never want you to forget it. I've tried to think of ways to just pound that in and I've tried to think of ways to say it over and over again. And I realize that's exactly what Paul is doing three times in these verses. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 
That is a beautiful gospel truth that I think that we have forgotten. And maybe, maybe we can uh, at least put aside the things that we've learned as youth, maybe in the church or maybe in uh, our youth groups or maybe that we've thought at least, maybe it was never told to us and we put all these practices into place about fleeing from sexual immorality, which are not bad, they're good, but maybe we need to begin with this foundational truth. I am holy and you are holy. So live your life in a holy way. And, and when we start there, when that is our foundation, you don't have to worry necessarily what the chaplain says or what your parents say or what the church says. I mean, those views are important, especially the chaplains. All those views are important. But maybe if you began with accepted the love of God in your life and the grace of God in your life and that God looks at you and says you are holy, maybe then, maybe then, we would make sure we would not be in relationships where the other person did not view us as holy. We would not allow ourselves into dating relationships where the person did not respect us as a holy child of God. You see, if you view yourself as holy, set apart, holy unto God, you will have standards, godly standards. And if you live a life believing that you are holy and that God has set you apart as a a person of holiness, you will have standards and you will not want to be treated. You will not allow yourself to be treated by another who claims to love you if they are not viewing you and treating you as that holy child of God. So maybe that is where we begin. Maybe it begins with how we view ourselves. Maybe it begins with what we think about ourselves. In this text, there are three questions that Paul asks. They sound like the same questions over and over again. Do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Verse 16, do you not know that those who unite themselves with a prostitute become one with their bodies? Verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? All three of these questions. All three of these do you not know all deal with belonging. They all deal with belonging because we all long to belong, to be a part of something. But the true peace that comes with belonging can only be found in Christ. The true peace that comes within a relationship will not be found in the relationship of another. The true peace can only be found in a relationship with Christ. We want to belong, we seek for it, we long for it in so many different ways, and then we go after it in ways that are not of God, and we end up hurting ourselves or hurting others. Because we forget that we are holy. That we are a holiness people. Do you not know that you are holy? We all want to belong. I've tried to think of examples, and I'm sure there are many that you can come up with, where maybe you yourself have tried to live a life of holiness or wanted to belong, and maybe you've done some things where where I was trying to belong, or I was trying to fit in, or I was trying to, and it just didn't work out well. We all do it. And the only example I can think of, and it's not a bad uh, example, and it's not a bad, it's a good example. It's of my son, and uh, I'm thankful for it, but I, I see his desire to belong. Now, don't tell him this, but he, he actually thinks he's on the men's basketball team. Don't tell him that he's not, all right? Because that would crush the nine-year-old spirit, all right? He's on the team. Uh, he's the water boy. Dances up on the bleachers, which embarrasses his mother and father. Uh, he uh, does the icky. He loves the icky woods Geico commercial. Get some cold cuts. So every time there's like a three point shot, he dances. Get some cold cuts. I don't get it. I don't get it. But that's his thing. But even at a young age, we're longing to belong. Even at a young age, we're searching for places or for people where we can belong, and, and we carry that even when we become more mature, even when we get older, and. And we make decisions in life that 
maybe turn us away from Christ instead of keeping us united with Christ? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? I want to encourage you as we begin the semester to live into that. I want you to embrace it. I want you to find freedom in it. That you are holy. That Christ is in you. And your body is part of Christ himself. Maybe if that is where we begin, maybe then we will truly live a life that glorifies God in all things and in all relationships and all ways and at all times. So I wanted to begin the semester with that reminder. You are holy, so be holy. Don't allow anything to get in the way of you and God. You see, you cannot glorify God if you are living a life of sexual immorality. You cannot live a life and feel the peace and grace of God if, if you're not living into that holiness to what he's called you. If you're not living into that beauty of holiness of which you are, if you're not living into that and making decisions of life like it, the communion with God is broken and there will be a disruption and, and you'll even start to sense it and feel it and experience it. And then it'll come out in different ways. It'll come out in frustration. It'll come out in frustration towards other people or towards the church or towards religion. It'll come out in frustration. But, but if you truly live into the holy person that you are, there will be a union with Christ like none other. So live a holy life. There is an ancient prayer that reminds us of this. It reminds us of the fact that we are holy. It reminds us that because we are holy, that God wants to use us in incredible ways, in beautiful ways. It's a prayer by Teresa of Avila. And the prayer is entitled, Christ Has No Body. Hear this prayer. Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, yours are his body. Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. You are holy. You are a holy people. And we are a holy community. So I thought of what could we do to maybe even make this point a little more clear to you. What action? How can we close? How can we respond? In weeks like this, what many traditions do, they have a time where you remember your baptism. They have a time that involves water where you remember that you died to Christ. Now Christ is in your life. For those of you who are baptized through immersion, the symbolism behind that, behind the dying and and rising to Christ, Christ is in you. The the Holy Spirit is in you. And that's what baptism symbolizes. So this morning we're going to have a time of remembering your baptism. And there are several ways that churches do that. You don't need to feel obligated to come forward. You don't need to feel obligated to take part. We're going to stand in a few minutes and sing, but... And as we're doing that, maybe you do want to just make that recommitment and remember your baptism. You don't need to be baptized again somewhere along the way. You weren't living into that holy life that God has called you to. But if today you have been reminded that you are holy and that God caused you to a life of holiness, to be his hands and feet here on earth, if you've been reminded of that and you want to reaffirm your commitment, you can do that this morning. 
In a few moments while we're singing, there's two bowls of water here. And, and there are different ways to do it. And what we'll do today is you can just come forward and just put your hand in the water and just make the sign of the cross on your forehead. And it's just a way that you're making publicly in this community and for your own self where you're actually putting feet behind your faith and saying, I want to reaffirm and recommit my baptism. There are many ways to do this. And, and I want to show you one way that's done in a moment. Some, some churches, and we're going to look, I believe, at a Russian Orthodox church. What uh, this priest is doing, he's dipping, it looks like maybe palm branches or some sort of, um, oh, me, some sort of branch into water. And he's sprinkling the congregation. Now, you're going to hear some laughter in the video, uh, but that's okay. It truly is a celebration. So let us watch how one congregation uh, celebrates uh, remembering your baptism. I need to let you know, Pastor Kevin, I really, 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 really wanted to do that today. (laughs) I mean, I can't tell you how bad I wanted to do that today. Everyone would get wet. The symbolism is powerful, but I didn't want to destroy your sanctuary. But if we ever have an outdoor chapel, that's going down. I just need to let you know. In Ezekiel 36, 25 through 26, we read, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your old idols. I will give you a new heart. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Through the sacrament of baptism, infant or adult, we are initiated into Christ's church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without a price. Through confirmation and through reaffirmation of your faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism. Acknowledge that God is doing for us. Acknowledge what God is doing for us and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. So whether you are baptized as an infant, or whether you are baptized as an eight-year-old like I was in someone's pool, or maybe as an adult, or maybe in a lake, maybe sprinkled or immersed, whatever it was, this can be a moment where you reaffirm that baptism, reaffirm that all that God has done for you, and remember that your bodies are holy and that Christ is in you. ENC community, may the Holy Spirit work within you and that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Remember your baptism and be forever thankful. So as we sing this final hymn, if you choose and wish to come forward, don't feel obligated. You can come and just dip your hand in the water, make a sign of the cross as an affirmation of your baptism. Let us stand and sing together. Heavenly Father, as we go out now into this new semester, may we remember that we are a holy people. May we remember that we are not our own. We were bought with a price. 
that now you call us to be holy and honor God with our bodies and all that we do. May we live in such a way. So now, brothers and sisters, go and live in the mercies of God, presenting your bodies as living, living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. You are dismissed. Go in peace to love God and serve others.